So I'll set the scene because I need to tell you a story about a Victorian. And a long time ago, in the early 60s, the Victorian took himself off to join the Royal Australian Navy. He was a tall fellow, pretty fit, quite lucky to grow up in rural, uh, regional Victoria, off the farms, no bulldust, straight up, and one of those sorts of fellows you could find pretty much anywhere. He could lob into a space and sit, be comfortable and leave, however it was that it suited his purpose. And that's how he treated HMO Cerberus, a place where they train baby sailors and they send them off to join the naval ships that are out there. HMO Cerberus was a pretty easy gig for the Victorian. He was that sort of guy. But one of the surprises was he met an Aboriginal fella from the Kimberley who'd also joined the Navy at about that time. He'd never met an Aboriginal fella before and he'd certainly not met one from the Kimberley. And they were as different to each other as chalk and cheese. They were as different to each other as Western Australia and Victoria. And they certainly didn't seem to have an awful lot in common as far as people were concerned. But they became firm friends. So much so that they actually passed through their cattery school together. They became radar plotters. And they were posted to the same ships. And they served through and about. And on their life went. About 1966... They were getting ready for their Christmas leave. Now, these fellows didn't spend an awful lot of time apart. And when they did, it was only because they might have gone home to both their relative homes, you know, back to their own country. And the Victorian was putting the Kimberley fella on the bus and they were making their last-minute arrangements to nut out what they were going to do for New Year's Day. And they were hoping that they'd return back to Fremantle and they could run through a pub or two. And that would be the way of it. Late... Christmas afternoon, the Victorian got a very sombre phone call. There'd been an accident at his mate's house. A sad accident. Somehow his mate fallen off the back of a veranda, probably not too different to this, and banged his head and died. The Victorian never got to see him again. The Victorian got himself on a plane on the next day, Flew back to Perth, got himself down to the ship at Stirling, emptied his mate's locker, got all these effects together, bundled them up and made sure that he got them off to his family. He kept one thing and he tucked it away and that stayed with the Victorian right through his deployment through the Vietnam War and on as it went for him as he left that time behind. It was 2012. I was packing up an exhibition in Leonora and I sort of heard this voice at the door go, hey, you got a light? And I look up and there's this tall old man harassing the redhead that was the reason why I was in Leonora packing up the exhibition at the time. And they were just settling in for that sort of yarn that happens from the moment that you strike that 
lighter and you take your first puff and then you kick into the rest of it as you go. I put my head back down. I started packing up more of the paintings and making sure that things were squared away. And that's when Jan, the redhead, poked her head through the door and said, Hey, Ron, you better come out here and have a yarn with this old bloke. I reckon he's been on ships that you've been on. And I look up and the Victorian sort of ducking his head in, thinking there's another sailor in town in a place like Leonora. What's your chances? So I go out and I take one look at this tall man. He was taller than me, still strong looking. And my first take was that this man had been doing it hard. There was just something in his eyes, you know. I, I could see that this bloke somehow, for some reason, didn't want to get up that morning. But he did. And he was here having a yarn with me. And we start to exchange little shots as we try and figure out who we were and where it was we served. And as it turns out, I actually was responsible for repairing some of the ships that he'd commissioned and brought into the Royal Australian Navy. So I was a right pleb and a bub compared to this bloke. He'd put those boats in the water when they were new for us in the Australian Navy. And here I was trying to keep them all together later on down the track in the 90s. And we have a joke. We mess around. And it turns out that he's a watchkeeper. And I was just a loafing day hand. And in order to qualify that, he was the sort of bloke that might work for a six-hour stint, go to sleep for six hours and get up again and do it again and again and again. Whereas I just worked the daylight hours and got to sleep at night. He paused then. And I could see that he wanted to ask me something else, but I beat him to the punch. I just looked at him and said, how are you really doing? And the Victorian, his name was Len, Len looked at me and he looked down at the ground and he just shook his head. And he said, I, I wanted to end it today, but I just couldn't. And I said, yeah, it looks at, Len, I can see it in your eyes, but how are you really doing? Len bumps me off and he tells me about this Aboriginal man that he served with in the Navy that was from the Kimberley. And I laughed because I thought, well, geez, Len, you're talking to another Kimberley blackfellow here. And uh, yeah, my family are from up that way. And Len gets all excited because Len's going, oh, really? You know, like we're trying to figure out who's who and where's what. And Len's going, oh, great. Well, listen, I've got this problem. You know, me mate, look, he died a long time ago, but he's, he's plaque. Is going to be shifted in the cemetery. The time's up and they want to move it. I want to tell the family that if they actually might have, you know, petition for that plaque to stay put, they need to actually get in contact. And so Len rushes off to the car. He grabs a piece of paper and he writes down a name and he comes back and hands me the piece of paper. And I take it off Len. And he says, look, give that to whoever you know, but you might know some family members. And I look at the paper. And that's when my world drops clean away. Len's best mate, his bubbly, we say brother for, Kimberly for, body mob, he's bubbly now, was my cousin, my cousin brother, who died two years before I was born. And in fact, who I'd grown up uh, on stories from his other brothers, my other older brothers, telling me about the adventures that he'd had and the things that he'd seen and the things he'd actually knocked around and done with his white bubbly, got here bubbly men. And these things that they did 
So they were actually both on the ship that took Queen Elizabeth around that first time and they were her escort. I heard all these amazing stories about this fellow but of course I never got to meet him. And I'm looking at this and I'm looking at Len and I realise who he is. He's that gutty, guttier, bubbly that I'd heard other family members talk about because he'd been up there and visited. And I'm just in complete shock. And I explain it to Len. And we both burst out. We both burst into tears. Two silly buggers on the side of the street and Leonora just blubbering at each other going, oh my God, can you believe this? Len was known as the hermit of Leonora. After Vietnam, he'd travelled around Australia and somehow landed at the back of Leonora in his Toyota Hilux and he lived out of it for a large number of years. Len had abandoned his family over in Victoria. He flew his wife in through Kalgoorlie twice a year so she could join him out at his camps and he moved around regularly every three months so that people didn't humbug him and give him a hard time. He was the talk of the town, he was a legend. Everybody knew him to be a gent, but no one really knew his story. And here I am, this rotten blowing, working on an art exhibition and I know all of it. And I'm blown away. Len stops then and he looks at me and he goes, wait, wait a minute. And he races back to the car and he reaches into the glove box and he scrabbles around and he pulls out this little parcel and he comes dashing back to me and he goes, here, here, you, you take this. You must have, you've got to have this. You're his family. You, you've got to take this. And he pushes it in my hand and I open up this parcel. And inside this mustard issue HMAS envelope that used to be about at the time, is a little tobacco tin and I open up the tin and inside the military issue toilet paper <laughs> is, do you remember the news agency bags used to get things from the time they were stamped in a particular way? It was one of these and wrapped inside of that was a half smoked rolly that had been his mates from his locker. It was the one thing that Len had kept for himself and carried with him since that time when he packed up the locker and sent all the other effects on his way. And Len just pushed it in my hand and said, you keep it, you smoke it, you, you take it, you, you do whatever, send it back, I don't care, but you keep it. It's yours. And I looked at Len and I said, hang on a second, I know what you're doing, mate. You're closing up shop. I'll tell you what, I won't take this off you. You keep it. Because Len wanted to finish his business. He had other things he wanted to do. And I wouldn't let Len go quite that easy. And so I packed this up, pushed it across to Len and said, you hold it and I'll be back and we'll do this properly next time. Len smiled sadly and sort of went, well, okay, I accept that responsibility and he packed it up and we talked for another five, ten minutes and he had to go. And I went back inside and packed up the exhibition. I didn't get back to Leonora. But in 2016, when I was working at Art Source in Fremantle, an envelope arrived. And in that envelope was that little package and three photos of Len with his best mate. Them on the front gangway of the ship with the Queen 
and a couple of posting photos when they qualified and when they went to another place. And in the letter was a note from Len saying, well, mate, we never managed to bump into each other again, but other things have taken over. I've got cancer, and I reckon you can have this stuff on it. You can have this stuff back now. And I want you to give it back to the family, and I want you to tell them the story about how we met. And I want you to treasure these things for me. Do whatever you can. But I reckon that's about it now, and I've done my job. Call me. And I dialed his number, and we had a conversation, and we wished each other well, and that was the last time I heard from Len. Thank you.